Hey everybody, welcome to the No Sanity Required Podcast. I'm excited to be with you today and I want to talk to you today about doubt. Welcome to No Sanity Required from the Ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. Have you ever doubted your salvation or maybe do you currently or do you wrestle with doubt? This is something that I've seen a lot in ministry. A lot of people struggle with assurance and knowing. And so I want to talk about doubt and assurance. And I want to read a verse of scripture to you. It's first John five thirteen. It says, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So there's this, here's this scriptural teaching that says, Hey, you can know that you're a Christian. I'm writing these things to you who believe in Jesus so that you can know. So there's a biblical promise a biblical teaching that I can know I can have assurance and too many times I feel like in ministry preachers try to convince people that they're not Christians I've been in student ministry for 25 years probably the number one this is this is true uh, uh, I probably shouldn't have to give a disclaimer that I'm saying something true but 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 truth be known if I if, if I was going to like rate or Um, and not just student ministry, but as a local church pastor, if I was going to list the number one struggle people have, I think the number one struggle that professing Christians have is doubt and specifically doubting their salvation or doubting God's ability to do something or doubting the evidences for the resurrection. Doubt, 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 doubt is a plague on faith. And so I want to just identify some of the characteristics of doubt today. And I want to talk about how we can recognize the root or source of doubt. And then let's define doubt. Let's talk about what doubt is. Okay. Um, so let's do the root and source of doubt. I'm taking notes here. I'm, I'm adding to my notes and then let's def- and, and then let's talk about how we can address doubt. Okay. So, so I want to start with in, in addressing the root or source of doubt by saying this doubt is not the opposite of faith. Okay. The Greek word for faith in scripture is pistis, uh, the Greek word for to have faith, or we would we would translate it to believe, is pisteo, pisteo, and so the opposite of belief or faith, pistis is faith or belief, faith and belief being the same word in the Greek. The opposite of that is unbelief. Okay, the opposite of belief is not doubt. The opposite of belief is unbelief, and so. When a person is struggling with doubt, they are not they are not yielding to unbelief. I believe it was St. Augustine. That's the way you say it when you're from the South, Augustine. Um, or for those of you who are more uh, refined in your enunciations, Augustine. <laughs> so I've always said Augustine, so we're going to roll with that. But uh, I think it was Augustine that said um, – Doubt is never far from faith's shoulder. And the idea was that if you're a person who lives by faith, then you're going to have to deal with doubt. Just go ahead and and know that you're going to have to deal with doubt. You're going to have to contend with doubt. It's going to be something that is a reality in your life. And so unbelief is the opposite of belief. Doubt is an attack on belief. So the first thing in, in recognizing what it is, identifying the root of it, it's an attack on faith. Okay. Now, if faith is being attacked, then the way that we can deal with that attack is to grow our faith stronger. All right. So stronger faith is harder to attack. Imagine that 
you've got to go out and fight against an enemy that is much uh, that that is either stronger than you or that is you're going to have to really work at it to 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 win against. Then, if you can get stronger, faster, more more uh, like fit, then you're going to be able to fight that battle better. You know. And so, so growing stronger enables me to fight a stronger enemy. So doubt is an enemy to faith. So my faith needs to grow. I need to grow stronger faith. Now, how do you grow stronger faith? Do you just try, try really hard, like close your eyes and, and, and squint and grit your teeth and believe harder? No, your faith has an object. There's an object to your faith. The oldest illustration of this in the book is a chair. If you have faith in a chair, then you put your weight into that chair you have faith that the chair will hold you up. The chair is the object of your faith. So if you have faith in Jesus, Jesus is the object of your faith. Jesus revealed to us through the word of God. So the way I grow my faith stronger is to grow my knowledge and understanding, my intimate knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is to grow that stronger. And then that's going to grow a stronger faith because the object of my my knowledge of who God is, my knowledge of the object of my faith is going to make my faith stronger. Does that make sense? You follow what I'm saying there? So I want to go deeper in my knowledge, deeper in my understanding. Let me illustrate this for you. I remember uh, there was a massive tsunami. I wrote a blog about this, maybe 2004, 2005, that hit, I believe, in Indonesia, and it killed a lot of people. And a tsunami is like a massive major tidal wave, this huge tidal wave. And what I read about, uh, and I think I actually saw a report, I think there's like a television report. These people were scuba diving, okay? So they're off the coast, and they're down on the bottom of the water, uh, bottom of the ocean, I think maybe 40, 50 feet down, and they're scuba diving, and the tsunami comes over, and when it comes overhead, they don't know it's coming. Just all of a sudden, they're getting turned around like they're in a washing machine, and then the tsunami goes in, it, it, it creates total havoc and devastation against the shore. Then the water recedes and goes back out into the ocean. And these people, after about a minute of being tossed around in the water, everything calms down and they surface and they know a tsunami has hit. And there's a lot of people that die on the shore, but these people survive because they're down deep in the water when the tsunami goes over. And I think that's, I just think that's a really good illustration to help us understand this idea that if I go deeper into the word of God, deeper into my knowledge of scripture, deeper into my understanding of who God is, then when the storms come and the doubt attacks and the waves of doubt, because this is another biblical illustration, is that doubt is like a wave in James chapter 1. If any of you um, doubts, he's like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. When that wave comes over, so, so so take what James is saying. When you doubt, you're unstable. You're like a wave being tossed to and fro. If you can go deep, down, deep, 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 then that wave is not, it, it, it's going to affect you in the sense that it's going to shake you up, but you're going to remain firm and you're going to survive. And so a deeper understanding of scripture, a deeper knowledge of who God is, let's go deeper into the word of God, commit more to the study of scripture and more to a knowledge of the word of God, knowing that that's going to, that's going to stabilize me. So a deeper knowledge of God's word, that's the first thing to attack doubt and bring better assurance. The more I know God through his word, the more assured I'm going to be of who he is. Second thing is to go deeper in my experience with God. When I was a young Christian, early 20s, one of the first studies I did was a study that many many of you probably done. It's called 
uh, I think it's called experiencing God, knowing God, experiencing God, experiencing God. And I think for a lot of us, we experience church or we experience religion or we experience spirituality, but I want to experience God in a real way. And one of the ways we can do that is through uh, ministering to other people, developing Christian friendships, sharing the gospel, sharing our faith with others. I have found, by the way, that sharing my faith grows my faith. I grow stronger when I'm telling other people about Jesus. So that's one way to experience God. Uh, Another way would be uh, prayer, an intensified prayer life. Prayer is talking to God as well as hearing from God. So I'm speaking to God and I'm hearing what he's saying back to me. So I speak and then I listen and I meditate on his word and I think and I dwell in the quiet place and I'm experiencing intimacy with God. Loving other people well is a way that I can experience God. And so my experience with God and my deepening knowledge of God is going to grow me strong, the object of my faith grows stronger, and I can have an assurance of faith rather than a doubt. And so many Christians are paralyzed by doubt. I think the two things that paralyze Christians and sort of render us ineffective and, and destabilize us is doubt and guilt. Those, those two things, and we'll do, we're going to do a, a we're going to talk about guilt in the next episode, but doubt and guilt. So doubt paralyzes the believer and destabilizes the believer and renders us so ineffective. And so I need to, I need to confront doubt with a deeper knowledge of the word of God and a deeper personal experience with God. And that comes through prayer and experience of ministry, sharing the gospel, loving others, caring about people, choosing to care about people, and doing something about it. And in, and when I do that, I find that that uh, that assurance replaces doubt. These things you I've written to those of you who believe, these things I've written so that you may know. I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life, a knowledge, a confidence. I love that verse that says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So this brings us to the second way that we deal with doubt and grow in assurance, and it's this. Be confident in the work that Jesus is doing not in the work that you have done. So in other words, when I look at my salvation, I don't need to focus on, did I say the prayer the right way? Did I ask Jesus into my heart the right way? Did I mean what I said? Did I, did I, did I? No, what did Jesus do? Jesus drew me out of darkness and into the light. Jesus brought me from spiritual death and into life. Jesus took me from slavery and bondage to sin and set me free and made me a slave of righteousness, Romans chapter 6. These are biblical promises. And so I can be confident of the work Jesus is doing, knowing that my salvation rests in the work Jesus has done, is doing, and will ultimately do. That's very important. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And so that's the second thing is being confident of what Jesus has done. Writer of Hebrews says he is the author or the one who begins my faith, and he's the perfecter or the one who brings to completion my faith. So, so go so so in dealing with doubt and growing in assurance. First, I'm going to go deeper in my knowledge of who God is and my experience with who God is through His Word, through uh, ministry and and obedience and worship. Then I'm going to put my focus on Jesus and be confident in who Jesus is, and trust that. And then lastly, last thing I want to I want to talk about on this subject is 
doubt, it makes sense that, uh, and this, this maybe is, is getting more, this is more like me just thinking this through from more of a common sense perspective. So this is not, I'm not driving this at, at out of scripture as much, although I will look at a scriptural, um, example. And it's this, I think that what, what the enemy wants to make us do is question and doubt God and question and doubt our salvation, because that will do one of two things that will make us less effective because it, it, it paralyzes us with that fear of doubt. And it will make us question God, question his goodness, question his provision, question his um, authority. And so the example I would use is, is the very first sin, our very first parents in the garden. When Satan comes to Adam and Eve in the garden, what does he say? He says, did God really say to you, don't eat the fruit? Oh, come on, guys. God didn't really mean that. I didn't say that. That's not what he meant. You know, he questions God. And so what, what I think the enemy wants to do to the believer is, is plague us with doubt. Now, here you go. Here, let's, let's take this up a notch. Last big for me, like hand grenade thought. What he wants to do to an unbeliever is the opposite. He wants to give the unbeliever false assurance. False assurance. So a believer is going to wrestle with doubt. An unbeliever is going to be complacent because they're going to have a false assurance. Now, how do we know what true assurance of faith is and what false assurance is? It's this. True assurance will drive me to want to worship Jesus, love him more, serve him, praise him. False assurance will drive me away from God. It'll make me think, oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. I got saved. I'm good. I'm all good. And then out of sight, out of mind, then I'll just live my life for me. That's a false assurance. And you see that in scripture, like, man, people, people just kind of live in their lives where they want to live. And Jesus saying, Hey, one day you're going to, you're going to, you're going to try to convince me that you're one of mine. And I'm going to say, I, depart from me. I never knew you. So, so true assurance of faith that comes through these things we've talked about will drive me towards Christ and into a deeper intimacy with God and false assurance will make me think, Oh yeah, I'm good. I'm all good. And then, but then I won't really care about the things of God. I'll care about the things of me. And it'll drive me away from God. And that's, I think the enemy likes to attack unbelievers with false assurance and believers with doubt of their, of their salvation. So I hope that's helpful. Hope that's been very helpful for me. It's been something that I've wrestled with in my life. It's been a journey for me, just like it is for any believer. And there've been times where I wrestle with doubt. And I, I talk to a lot of kids who, man, they just, they, they're paralyzed by doubt and plagued by the fear that's associated with doubt. And, and, and the word of God tells us we can know that we have eternal life and that it's been written and we can have confidence in what Jesus is doing. And I hope that you will have confidence today and be encouraged by these things. And I hope you'll join me the next time when we're going to talk about sort of the same approach to guilt, wrestling with guilt, guilty conscience, associating with guilt rather than the freedom from sin that Christ has promised. So I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at SWOutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.